What is going on, everybody? It is March Madness, and there has been a lot of it. We're going to get right into it. Let's go. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Spectators. I'm Julian, and I'm here in person, like the OG days with my boy, Brooklyn. What's going on, brother? Yo, yo, I'm doing good, bro. We, we've been grinding. We got a lot of stuff going on with The Spectators, a lot of stuff in the works for you guys, too. So make sure to be on the lookout for that. Hit up the socials and hit that follow, yes. at underscore The Spectators, with the early plug. And if you haven't seen, we're expanding. We added a new... Boy to the team. Yes, sir. Shout out our, our guy, Aiden. Aiden, welcome in. A lot of cool stuff coming from him and the rest of the team. So just be on the lookout. Absolutely. Be on the lookout for all that cool stuff. And while we're talking about cool stuff, like I mentioned at the very top, it is March Madness and not just in college basketball. Baseball free agency has been going wild with the season coming back. NFL free agency started last week, and we didn't even touch a whole lot on that during the two episodes we had. I mean, it's been a lot to take in. And we're going to start with the NCAA March Madness Tournament because this tournament has been something to watch. If you're a high seed, you are either in for a rough game or an <laughs> upset. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the a lot of the one seeds have hung on. But what we're going to do, we're going to talk about our favorite moments from the tournament so far since we're not going to go over all all 30 games um so Brooklyn you want to start with it what's one of your favorite moments from this tournament yeah through like the first you said, if uh you're a high seed watch out and Kentucky they they had to watch out and man they ain't watching their back hard enough because no. St. Peter's out of nowhere they came in with the upset and yeah. that was nuts and the biggest thing that stood out to me was three minutes left in the game. Ken- Kentucky's up four. And you, you're like, all right. They, no, they're actually up uh, six. I'm sorry. You, they're chilling a little bit. And then Daryl Banks goes ahead, gets the layup, cuts it to four. Then they go get a stop on the other end, come back. Hassan uh, Drame, Drame gets a layup. So two-point game. And then that boy Doug with the Doug. three, the dagger. The dagger. Goes ahead, puts it at a one-point game. They take the lead. And then they, they swap back and forth, go to OT. St. Peter's ends up pulling the big, big, big 215 upset. Yeah. And just sent everybody into a frenzy. Well, and the crazy thing about this, right? Like, the, the Vegas odds were insane for St. Peter's. Yeah. I think they were, like, plus 1,000 for the game, which to be plus 1,000 for a game... Which just means Vegas is like, yeah, y'all aren't winning. Like, good yeah. luck, have fun. Good, good luck. Yeah, yeah. Like, they just don't have any faith in you. And when you look at like the way the schools r- were right coming into this game, mm-hmm. St. Peter's has zero, not one, zero ranked players coming out of high school, whereas Kentucky has all the five stars, four stars. They have mm-hmm. a two, th- two or three, three stars. Like this team's loaded in terms of high school developed talent. Yeah. So St. Peter's has none of that. St. Peter's is a private school with 3,000 students where Rupp Arena can hold 30,000 itself over in Kentucky. And Kentucky is one of those storied franchises. I mean, they've had several NBA picks. And St. Peter's, the main thing coming into this, they have never in their history won an NCAA March Madness game. 
And now they come out, they beat Kentucky, then they get to play Murray State, and they kind of give it to Murray State. Like, they kind of had this game the whole time. Uh, St. Peter's, this is as much of a Cinderella as you have ever seen. And, you know, we've seen some other ones, right? We've, we've seen, yeah. like, the Florida Gulf Coasts and, and all Roberts. that. The Oral Roberts like, a year and or two ago. And now those two plus St. Peter's, they're the only three teams to get to the Sweet 16. As a 15 seed. and That's crazy. It, Dude, St. Peter's, this is a, a magical a magical yeah. run for them. And we'll see if they can continue it. They play Purdue in the next round. Purdue's really, really good. They were number one in the country for a hot little minute here. Yeah. So um, if they can beat Purdue and make it to the Elite Eight, this is maybe the most improbable run. Yeah, that would be sick. Ever. Now, my initial standout moment of the NCAA tournament, and this one's kind of funny, right? It's not even during the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. We're going to rewind it a couple of weeks, months ago. Okay. Michigan-Wisconsin game. Michigan gets blown out. Wisconsin calls a timeout with a couple seconds left, and the head coach of the Michigan Wolverines eventually winds up punching the coach at Wisconsin. And now here we are, the Sweet 16. Michigan at the time was a 500 team, mind you. They played fantastic since that moment. They wound up making it into the tournament as an 11 seed, so they were a loss away from not getting in. They get in the tournament. They beat Colorado State. They beat Tennessee, which Tennessee, to me, was the best three seed. Like, Tennessee is a very, very talented team. They're really, really good. They kind of handled Tennessee, too. They beat Tennessee, and now they advance. And guess who didn't advance? Talk to me. The Wisconsin Badgers. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't have called that timeout. You gave the wrong group of guys way too much team. <laughs> and I think this is Michigan's fourth or fifth straight year being in the Sweet 16. So... Kind of funny that it wasn't in the tournament, but that was essentially the start of their new season. Yeah, just something to rally behind. Because I don't remember who it was between us, but we were like, oh, that that happens. The punch, they're not going to do nothing. They're probably not even going to make the tournament. Yeah. Well, here they are. They're in the tournament. In the Sweet 16. And in the Sweet 16. Yeah. So, it, you got to ride off the energy. You got to ride it's off simple the, as that. You got to ride off the energy. And when big momentum things happen, you got to try and take advantage of it. And that's a great segue into my next one because UNC was manhandling Baylor. Dude, they were getting getting wrecked. Wrecked. Yeah. And then Brady Manick, same with how many points? I think it was at 26 points. Fouls out of the game. Well, technical. Technical. Get him out of here. You're right. Get him out of here. Hit him with a little Ejected. Yeah. And man. Baylor said, all right, cool. 20 to 4 run at one point. They go ahead, they get it all the way back, and they send it to OT to ultimately still get upset. But just feeding off that energy, I saw him go, and we're texting Gerard in the group chat. Yeah. Like, bro, uh oh, bro, uh oh. <laughs> we, we see the buckets, the big threes, they go on a 9 0 run off rip as soon as he gets kicked. Immediately. And we're like, Hold on. You better, you, well, you better watch out, G. <laughs> and the crazy thing was, like, right after that, like, the refs started, like, being, like, they, they switched up. The refs were just, like, all of a sudden calling every ticky-tacky foul. Mm-hmm. Just, they're like, okay, we had, we had to eject somebody. Let's let's hunker down. They started calling a lot. Some of it was questionable. Yeah. Um, a lot of it went Baylor's way. But they took advantage, and they went on a run just to force overtime. They were down 26 points. Yeah. They forced OT, and they laid an egg once they got to OT. 
Um, we were talking about this game too. The fact that they didn't try and foul out the UNC center Baycott when he had four fouls with like five minutes left in the fourth or the second half. Bad coaching, truly, but because he wound up dominating the game towards the end of it. But dude, UNC pretty much does a Michigan where there was a point this year where they looked the worst UNC has looked in the last decade. They turned it around. They had a pretty solid second half of the season. They capped it off by beating Duke on Coach K-Day. And now you have both of those teams in the Sweet 16. And the ACC is actually balling out. We thought the ACC had a rough year. Mm-hmm. Here they are with three or four. I think it's three. Three teams still in it. Most of any conference. Yeah, and quick little stat on Baycott. 15.16 rebounds. Yeah, and I swear eight of those boards came in like the last 10 minutes. Yeah, NOT. So. Tough. Tough. Absolutely tough. So for my last moment, my last moment is going to go to another underdog that I never thought was an underdog. Uh, less of a moment, more of just their run. Iowa State Cyclones, whenever they come into this tournament as a high seed, they blow it. I swear I've seen them two, three, four seeds the last couple of years. They mm-hmm. wind up losing in the second round every time. It happens every year. This year, they come in as an 11 seed. They have some great wins. They beat Baylor this year. They beat Kansas this year. They beat Oklahoma. They have some good wins, right? I saw them matched up against LSU. I was like, wow. LSU ain't all that. LSU, they played in the very down SEC this year. Even though they had a, they had a good amount of teams in the tournament. Florida wasn't good. A lot of the teams that are typically pretty good were not in the SEC. Mm-hmm. Outside of Auburn. And so I thought LSU was way overranked. I thought Iowa State was way underranked, especially for the quality wins they had and the way that they play. And they come in, play LSU, kind of smoke them out the gym a little bit. Uh, They go ahead and they play Wisconsin. And Wisconsin's a tough team because they have one of the best scorers in the country. And to stop a big-time scorer and still win a game in a low-scoring affair is really, really tough. When you when you go up against a guy scoring 23 a game and you hold that team to 49, you did something right defensively. And this team yeah. comes at you defensively. They play their pace of basketball. And it's not fun to watch in college <laughs> at all. Yeah. But like that's the that's kind of the way college basketball is. Like good defenses in college really dominate. And you notice that when Villanova makes these big runs, when Syracuse is good. Uh, typically, Michigan has fantastic defense. Like those are squads that get through with defense, and Iowa State's doing it this year. And I'm shout out. I'm I'm proud of them for finally living up to some semblance of hype, despite them not really having it this season. And I hope you didn't expect any of your brackets to live up to the hype because a lot of them are busted. In fact, There's no more. Every single one. <laughs> perfect brackets in the men's and women's. Yeah, so. not a single perfect bracket. It is truly. March Madness this year Uh, because usually the women get a couple of perfect brackets because it's kind of easy to predict those it's like toss up between a one and a two seed to get to the final four Mm -hmm. and maybe a four seed gets there you know but like it's it's chalk for the most part and uh for it to be none in both of them is kind of wild it's cool yeah and uh I do have one more moment there was a really good moment where we had a little we had a wedgie incident a ball was stuck behind the rim. Ref is trying to poke it out. He can't get up there. The players are trying to poke it out. Mm-hmm. They get the cheerleader to come through. They get her up. <laughs> she knocks the ball out from the wedgie. 
and the crowd absolutely erupts. They went crazy. And you just see her just taking it all in. Like, oh, this that was her crazy. moment. That was her moment. That was her moment. That'll 100% be in one shining moment. Yeah. And I don't know, little stuff like that's really fun. It makes sports all the more memorable, getting the little nonsense like that. That no, just, yeah. like, kind of randomly happened. She was the only was one that could be up there. Yeah. <laughs> shout out. Big shout out. So there's our March Madness stuff. Uh, you have a team that you're feeling after the two, first two games that you want to take? Because, you know, our brackets are busted. So. I mean, I'm I'm right off into the sunset with St. Peter's. <laughs> Go to the moon. St. Peter's <laughs> Do I to think the moon. So? Who's to say? Who's to but say? But that's what I want. Okay. I Go like crazy. it. I like it. I've really, really liked the way that Arizona's played. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know they kind of had a tough game with you or TCU. They had to come back. Uh I really think this Arizona team is talented, and I think that they got that boy Benedict over there. He might be the best player in the country right now. So, But shout-out to my bracket because I still got Gonzaga and Kansas. Those are your final teams. Those are my final two. So yeah, I had Baylor winning it all. I'm, so. I'm still alive. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. So, <laughs> so those are my two white knights if I'm going to win the spectator bracket challenge. <sighs> Which, if you're in it, good luck. I think we had, like, a good amount of people. I think we about, had 50. I think there's about 50 entries in there. So, everybody that did hop in our bracket challenge, thank you. We appreciate you. Shout out. Best of luck. Hope you lose. I don't want you to win. <laughs> no. I don't want you to win at all. Nope. Um, speaking of winning, we're going to go ahead and pivot over. Uh, the MLB season starts in two weeks. Two weeks? I think Two weeks. And we finally have every major free agent off the board. It took a little minute. Yeah. The, the season came back about a full week ago. It took a little over a week to get everybody kind of situated, figured out where we're going and all that good stuff. And it is officially happened. I mean, pretty much everybody's off the board. And we're going to start with the first major deal that happened. And this was a big one, which... We talked a little bit about the trade. Matt Olson got traded to the Braves, which essentially ended the Freddie Freeman era in Atlanta for good. Freddie Freeman then goes and signs a six-year deal. I think it was $178 million, give or take. I, I don't fully remember the money. Six-year deal with the L.A. Dodgers. As if they didn't have a stacked enough lineup. As if they didn't already have a top five first baseman in baseball with Max Muncy. The rich get richer, as you said. And it seems like every offseason, the Braves add a top 15 player to their roster. And they kind of added two this year because they traded for Trey Turner. They keep Trey Turner. Now they go get Freddie Freeman. And this is maybe the scariest lineup we've seen in like 50 years. Yeah, and... Going back to last week's episode, I said, on paper, the Mets are the scariest team in the league. This is on the field, the scariest team in the league. Yeah, forget paper. No. This this team actually plays. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they Because the Mets are just a pipe dream. They, yeah. they could. They will. Yeah. They absolutely will. Because one through nine and the whole rotation, no deep. I mean, no pitcher. You got DH now, so the team gets even scarier than they already were. AJ Pollock and DH. Oh, my God. He doesn't even have to start the outfield. If they are healthy, they might win 115 games. I'm not even mad at it, especially if their pitching gets healthier. 
Um, especially if for whatever reason Trevor Bauer pitches for them this year. I don't really know what's going on with him and yeah. the Dodgers. He's still on the roster. He's still getting paid. So maybe he comes back. He's acquitted. Maybe he may, maybe he plays. The last time he touched the baseball, he was a Cy Young of the National League. Yeah. So as, as long as they're on the field playing, producing, I don't even think 115 is crazy. No, I don't think so either. And So good luck. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> good straight, luck. straight like that. Max Muncy might be their six hitter. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm not excited. No. And so Freddie's going to be joining the Dodgers, and that's ridiculous. Another big deal. This one surprised, I think, literally anybody who watches baseball. Chris Bryant, former MVP, former Rookie of the Year, World Series champion, Cubs legend, Chris Bryant. Joins the Colorado Rockies on a seven-year, $190 million deal. What? Yeah, I, I don't know. We saw this, and we we were confused. We were really confused because it's like, why are you going to Colorado? Like, There's a lot of questions here. <laughs> why are you going to Colorado, first of all? Especially with not knowing if Trevor Story is even going to be there or not. I think time. you assumed that he wasn't going to be. Right, like I, I don't. But that's the thing. If you assume that your your co partner, your second best player on the team, isn't going to be there, why are you going there to just be the guy with Ryan McMahon, who just signed a six the or seven year extension? Yeah, extension? six six year extension. So, I mean, shout out to that. And th- he's a dog. He's a dog. Toppy is like... good too, but th- I mean, you have the ghost of Charlie Blackman there. Um, I don't know, and it's kind of a weird thing because. Chris Bryant, like, is kind of, he's 30 years old now, and his peak was so young that he's not really been able to live up to that. He's he's had some productive years. But forget him going there, right? Why are they bringing in a guy for seven years and all that money that has kind of been on the decline for the last three, four years? Yeah. Like, it's not like he's gotten better by any means. And, I mean, he's he's an amazing defender, and he's versatile now. I mean, he can play center, he can play left, he can play right, third base, he could probably play first base too, if you really wanted them. So having him for seven years isn't a bad thing because you can move him around. But is that, are, are the Rockies expecting to be good in seven years? Or Because they don't seemingly have a plan. They, they didn't trade Trevor Story, so they didn't get anything back for him. Nope. They didn't trade John Gray, so they didn't get anything back for him. Nope. They haven't traded Charlie Blackman, even though they should have the last couple of years. Yep. Now he's not really worth a whole lot. Herman Marquez is on that team. That's cool. But he's kind of starting to get into his prime. You should probably trade him so that the timelines don't match up. If you're expecting this team to be good before this seven-year deal is over, then you're expecting to have prospects that come up and develop within the next four or five years. And this is one of the worst farm systems in baseball. They have the worst roster in baseball front to bottom and a terrible farm system. This just doesn't make sense. It makes sense for Chris because he's like, hey, I'm going I'm to get my money. I don't. I probably didn't deserve yeah, like, all this money. Yeah, he's not mad. I don't think he deserved all that money. out. Chris Bryant's great, and I love him, but seven-year, $190 million is a lot for a guy who's been declining. And that's why he did it. There's no doubt in my mind. He was just like, y'all, y'all want what? And that's the thing. Playing at Coors. He'll have fun. He'll, he'll, put have up, fun. he'll put up career years, too. He's going to ball out because Coors. So he's going to ball out. But, like, and what are you going to do in that division? Nothing. Are you going to be better than the Padres? Are you going to be better than the Giants? You're not even better than the Diamondbacks. <laughs> They're not better than the Diamondbacks. 
They're just not. What? Him now? No. They're not better. They don't have the pitching. They don't have the relief. They don't have the outfield. They well, don't have the way, catcher. For, they don't have the middle infield. The or the Rockies. But still, you're not going to be better than Padres, no. Giants, or the Dodgers in the next four three. years. Yeah, minimum three. And then any minimum. rebuild that you're doing is going to take four, five, six. He's there for seven. So do they do this just to trade him into you? Like, this Which is I such, mean, if, if that's what you're doing, but this is such a brain. this is Ooh. such a big contract though that like nobody this isn't even a tradable contract. That's the thing. If he doesn't do good in cores, this is just a money sink. This is Albert Pujols too. Yeah, like you can't move that know. contract if he's no. Because no. the it's only way you're getting contract. a cores player is if they're balling out at cores. If they're bad at cores, how are they going to be good anywhere else? Then that's the reason that the next guy we'll talk about, Trevor Story. Yeah. There's, that's the reason he was the last guy off the board. And Trevor Story, shout out to him and his agent. They knew what they were doing. So yeah. Trevor Story, right? There's been a lot of talk about Trevor. He's 29. It's kind of funny that people talk about Trevor Story where he's like getting past his prime. But then if somebody talks about Chris Bryant, they're like, oh, well, he's still kind of young when Trevor's the really younger. Um, mm-hmm. But Trevor is kind of getting towards the, the second half of his prime. And he's been fantastic in... The Rockies, although last season was a down year for him. He played the whole year. It wasn't the best season that he's had. And people had their doubts because his hitting took a took a drop, and especially on away games, his hitting was not the best. Was this a cores effect guy that just fully benefited from playing at a hitter friendly park? So people didn't want to give him that big contract. And he waited to be the last shortstop off the board. So that he could sign a six-year, $160 million deal with the Red Sox. I think he won this deal by a mile. And, you know, maybe he proves everybody wrong. I th- I still have a lot of faith in Trevor Story. I've loved him for a long time. I want him to ball out. Yeah. A little less. Not that he's in Boston. But, but. I, I do want him to kind of prove some people wrong. Although, I do think he won this deal, certainly. I think the Red Sox made this move almost out of desperation. Because they saw what... The Blue Jays were doing. They know what the Rays do every year. I think they were even a little threatened by the the Yankees' moves, despite many of us not thinking it was great. I do think they saw, oh, the Yankees kept everybody, got Donaldson and Rizzo back. They made more moves than us. Because the Red Sox had an objectively bad offseason until this. Yeah. Like, they added some pitching, but James Paxton's off of Cy Young. Or not Cy Young, uh, Tommy John and... Mixing up my old time pitchers, and <laughs> I don't know. Trevor Story, shout out to him though. This is a great deal for him. Yeah, that's the theme of the last two picks. The cores and, we, we and were, the last. We were talking about it yesterday. Like, why go get Story when you got Bogarts? Yeah, and the crazy thing here too is I've heard that people think Bogarts is gonna still be at shortstop. Which, if that's true, that's the dumbest managerial move I've ever seen. Because Trevor Story is still like elite defensively at short, and Xander Bogarts is like. Glaber Torres with like hitting attributes. <laughs> oh no, Glaber's pretty bad at shortstop. <laughs> Xander's pretty bad at shortstop also. I'm still part. taking Xander. I mean, I, I you, you hear what it, we're making comparisons. Xander's pretty bad at short, and if they keep him there over Trevor, that's like very curious. Yeah. So, uh, moving on to the next one, let's go to the biggest name because we're talking about shortstops. Carlos Correa hits us with an absolute bomb. And I want to talk about this one because unlike the Chris Bryant deal, this is maybe the best contract I've ever seen constructed in the MLB for both sides, right? So Carlos Correa signs with the Minnesota Twins out of nowhere, like literally out of nowhere. I don't think 
2 o'clock in the morning Eastern time. Yeah, I don't think anybody saw this coming. No. He goes to the Twins on a three-year, $107 million deal. So he is the richest per year infielder of all time now. He has there's some shortstops with bigger total deals, obviously Tatis, Lindor. But this is three years, and he has an opt-out after each and every season. Which is crazy. So if he has a down year, or if he gets hurt and Correa is known to be getting hurt, he's able to come back to the twins, still make this money, prove himself again, and try and get more money, right? Or if he's balling out, he can decline sign back with the Twins, sign wherever he wants, and get more money. So he's able to do any of those. Really good for him, right? It's only a three-year deal. So if the Twins are terrible, he hits 47 home runs, hits for a weighted runs created of 190, he could be like, forget you guys, I'm leaving. Yeah. Getting out of town. And he's going to make the same money or more somewhere else. Yeah. But if he's doing well, the Twins are doing poorly, and the Twins are like, man... This isn't working. Like, you're clearly not the thing we needed. We're going to trade you. This is a contract teams are willing to trade for because they're not going to get a whole lot for it. The Twins won't get a lot for it. It's a one-year deal, essentially, that he might not re-sign. But they're going to get something back for a player that they're giving $30 million, but they have plenty of payroll, right? And he wouldn't have re-signed anyway. So you're getting something for a guy who wouldn't re-sign, <laughs> and now you're not going to guarantee him that extra 60 Five million dollars. I think this deal is fantastic for both teams. I really, or both sides. I really do. That's the thing because if you're if you're a contender in the race and the Twins are just bottom of the barrel dumps, you can you, give you up. Go something. ahead and give you give up a couple prospects. Get Correa. Go win a chip. Yeah, and you're, you're you might, and you probably will. <laughs> you probably will. And then if he likes it there enough, maybe he comes back. And if he doesn't, guess what? You want a chip or like you put yourself in a position to. Exactly. You didn't give up a whole lot because, again, it's it's a rental. So you're not going to give up. Yeah. If you're the Yankees' Anthony Volpe or if you're the Royals' Bobby Wood Jr., you're not giving that up. Yeah. You're giving up, you know, a, a top 10 guy but closer to 10 in your farm system for a half a season of Carlos Correa. And I think that's a win-win for, again, everybody. The Twins are going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, I don't think they'll be good, but I think they're going to be fun. <laughs> they they have potential to be scary. Yeah. That's and the thing, though, because if Gary Sanchez is Gary Sanchez and not just a slouch, which not that's even, a problem. Not even considering that. I mean, you know, they have Correa, who's going to ball out. Mm-hmm. They have Jorge Polanco, who's going to be amazing. Yeah. If Byron Buxton's healthy, exactly. that's the one and two picks in the same draft with him and Correa. And you go ahead and get Sonny Gray, too. Who pitched amazing in Cincinnati? Yeah, and he he had a down year last year, but they get Sonny Gray for not a whole lot. Yeah. Uh, Gio Urshela is going to be pretty solid for them. Uh, they do have some holes. I think Miguel Sano is going to be yeah. nice whenever he's DHing for them. Uh, they do have some holes though. Uh, they still have Max Kepler, amazing hitter. Uh, so they got some stuff. They certainly have some stuff. They have a pretty solid hitting team, especially if Gary can provide some semblance of offense, like you said. The issue is going to be pitching. They have a good bullpen, actually, so starting is going to be the true issue. You can't be a contending team with Randy Dobnik as your number two starter. I'm, I'm, no. I'm sorry, Randy, no. you're awesome. His story's fantastic. You're not a number two pitcher. Tip your Uber drivers. <laughs> Tip your Uber drivers. Tip your Uber drivers. So Minnesota's interesting. They made a lot of moves. They've probably had the best offseason, maybe. One of the best. Yeah. I would. One of the best, certainly. Stand on that. So, at least they're trying. I don't know if it's going to help them, but they're trying. 
We'll see. We'll see. Uh, what's another move that was really good? Uh, uh, we're, Nick Castellanos yeah, we're the Phillies. Just about to say, we're talking about bad defenses because that Twins team is not going to be great defensively besides Buxton and Correa. Yeah. Um, this Phillies team is going to have a historically bad defense. This might be the worst defensive team of all time. Yeah. It might be. And you know what? We do not care because they just signed Nick Castellanos to a five-year deal and Kyle Schwarber. I don't remember the, the years on his deal, but they get yeah. both of those guys, and so they're going to have three guys in the lineup, and it's going to be Bryce Harper, Nick Castellanos, and Kyle Schwarber, and yeah. then somewhere close to them is going to be JT Riamuto and Reese Hoskins. That team is a hitting machine. Didi Gregorius is in there, too. Like This team can flat yeah. out hit the baseball. The bottom half of their lineup is uh, kind of suspect. Like They're going to have uh, Gene Segura, who he had a great year last year. Who knows if he develops on that and their starters are fantastic i mean zach wheeler was second in cy young last year aaron nola had a down year but nothing was really his fault i think aaron nola is actually going to have a rough year again because his defense is so bad Mm -hmm. and that's the way he pitches towards some uh some soft contact but they got the starters especially if ranger suarez builds off what he had last year and this nick castellanos is going to hit he's going to hit yeah and he'll play outfield he'll play some third base he's probably going to dh a lot for this team because now DH being in the National League is a big deal, and that's probably why he signed here. I'm so excited for the DH, bro. It's yeah, it it makes these teams a lot more fun. It opens up the whole league. Yeah, it makes jobs. So, because now you can actually watch a National League game and enjoy every little every game. batter, <laughs> every the batter comes up. It. All right, let me go get some water. Yep, exactly. No, <laughs> I don't have drink. I don't have to do that. I, I can I can sit and watch, and that's really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. This this Phillies team is gonna score a lot of runs. Like their games are gonna be ten to eight, and you know, when you they have maybe the worst bullpen in baseball, just but they they signed Adam out of you know, and that's their best reliever now, and that's not ever a sentence that should be said. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that that bullpen's gonna suck. So they got to score a lot of runs, and they're trying to. Yeah, they're trying, and we'll see what happens. We will see what happens. Um, another free agent, uh, Seiya Suzuki, signs with the Cubs. Kind of a cool deal. It's a five-year deal. Shout he comes in, picks up number 27. He goes, I love you, Mike Trout. That's <laughs> Trout's number. Very wholesome, very cool. Uh, the rebuild is starting officially now in Chicago. Like You got a guy that it's built around. So yeah, that's a nice little, nice little move. Uh, uh, the defending champs go ahead and get Kenley Jansen yeah. from the Dodgers. Yeah, and that's, so that's, af- that's after their Olsen move, too. They also re-signed Eddie Rosario, gigantic. He was the hottest hitter in baseball for October and the beginning yeah. of the playoffs. So yeah, that's a, that's a big deal. And uh, the Braves are looking good, man. Like, I know we yeah. mentioned – I know we talked a lot about the, uh, the Mets, but the Braves, they pretty much stay even at first base, maybe even an upgrade. They get Rosario back. They lose Jorge Soler, but they get Acuna back. Uh, speaking of Soler, he goes to the Marlins. Yeah, so Soler to the Marlins. The, the Marlins are the lower end of that division, but, I mean, they're on the way up, too. Yeah, and, and he's uh, they needed hitting, and he's a yeah. big hitter. So. I mean, uh, if you can get a World Series MVP and a World Series champion, you're going to do it. You're going to absolutely do it. Um, who else? Uh, Anthony Rizzo re-signed with the Yankees, which effectively closed the door on Freddie Freeman pretty early. So Rizzo's back with the Yankees. Um... Again, we mentioned Kyle Schwarber. We're, we're kind of looking at a list right now to see if there are any recent ones. 
I don't know. Did we mention Radon last week? I think we did. We did. Yeah, we mentioned Radon last week. Uh, Michael Pineda's back, back to the Royals. Yeah, the Granky return tour. He's ending yeah. it where it all began. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty fun. I I really wanted Granky to go to the Cardinals so that they could have the best defense of all time. Because you know, Gold Glover Zach Granky uh, was gonna be a a demon over there, but yeah, didn't wind up happening. Uh, the Braves also get Colin McHugh, so they bolster that bullpen even more and the bullpen was scary last year they're really good in the playoffs but they scared me the whole year uh, so the braves get even a little bit better um and i think that's all the important moves that happened after did kikuchi happen beforehand i don't remember uh yeah um the blue jays trade for matt chapman which is kind of a big deal it, it's it it's definitely a big deal uh we'll see kind of how his hitting uh, progresses. I know it's kind of hard to hit in Oakland, so maybe going to the Rogers Center uh, produces something. There's not a lot of lefties in the AL East, so that's going to be an issue for him. Uh, he's a, he smashes lefties, so yeah, that would have been helpful. And I mean, that team's going to be mashing regardless, so having a glove there that you can rely on and it's going to be 10 out of 10. Yeah, cool. It's definitely it's definitely whatever nice. you get with the bat, nice. If you can get something, you get something. Yeah, that's the way I look at it. I yeah. know you're not high on Matt Chapman. But. No, but, I mean, I do think he makes them a better team. Just yeah. how much better, I could not tell you. Uh, Joe Kelly sends a two-year deal with the, the White Sox. Their their bullpen gets maybe better. Yeah. Who's to say? Jock Peterson with the Giants. That's a pretty big deal. Giants yeah. are actually trying to build off last year, and that's kind of fun. Yeah, that's the thing, because I fully expected the Giants to have their time. And not for them to fold, but not, like not fold, but just like, all right, we let's we, do we this again, going. run it back, and then we they're gonna regress because everybody had a career year. Yeah. And, but no, they they the re- fact that like they're not happy with just yeah they like, retool they want, they offensively or on defense with pitching they fully retool like they get yeah. Radon they they resign Descafani they get Alex Wood those are some big names they get Carlos Martinez which doesn't do much but you know he's depth and it's nice to have pitching depth and and some um some age right yeah. Um, get Jock Peterson, a lefty that can mash out into the river over there. Kind of cool. That'll be sick. So, yeah. Um, who's your winner of free agency as a team? I mean, that they're already winners without it, but, I mean, you got to go with the Dodgers, getting Freeman and adding to that. Yeah. That that's why like you max out your whole character on a game, and a DLC pack comes out. And it's like, give me that. Yeah, and you I need just that. keep on going. Yeah. And now, the the Dodgers feel like when you're playing like 2K and a new card comes out, and you didn't really think about it too much because like, oh, that new card came out. Then yeah. you you load into a game, and this guy has the new card. You're like, why? That's not fair. <laughs> no, because he he says swipe. So like you you gotta put that as the winner. Yeah, I'll agree with you there. And um, my winner is going to be the Mets still. If the Mets can make this these pieces work. And if if um, one thing that's scaring me with the Mets, positive scaring, is that Dom Smith looks really good in spring training so far. Yeah. And uh, so if they can get these guys that had down years to hit the ball really well, uh, the Mets are going to be scary because they're going to pitch. Their, their starters are going to pitch. I got no doubt in DeGrom, Scherzer, and Chris Bassett. So... Like, prove me wrong. Prove May, me wrong. Make it that you guys are fighting with the Dodgers for the top. <laughs> yeah. So. And then, do we have anything else? Football news. There was a lot of it. Von Miller to the Bills. Crazy. Matt Ryan to the Falcons. I mean, I'm sorry, to the Colts. Matt Ryan to the Colts for a bag of chips and a third-round draft pick, which is kind of crazy. Jameis Winston stays 
with the Saints. Um, speaking of the Falcons, Marcus Mariota to the Falcons. <laughs> I'm buying a Falcons jersey. That's cool. Yeah. So. That's good to know. Yeah. Happy with that. Yeah. He'll probably be their starter. Yeah. That's gonna. He's gonna get hurt. That O line is so bad. <laughs> oh, Marcus. I wish. I wish he went to Seattle. I wanted to see him in Seattle, live his uh, Pacific Northwest dream. Yeah. But Drew Locke's probably gonna start over there, so it's okay. But other than that, I mean, a lot's happened. <laughs> yeah, I mean, every defensive lineman that you can think of switched teams. And the every AFC is just stacked. Absolutely stacked. That's going to be something we talk about in future episodes, but the AFC has, like, 10 above-average quarterbacks and, like, 8 star quarterbacks, and it's a little ridiculous. <laughs> it's a little ridiculous. Yeah. So we'll, we'll talk about that in future episodes, but just know that there's still some moves to be made in the NFL. There are a bunch of free agents that are still available, and there's still a lot of restructuring that's going to happen. So teams are going to look really, really different coming into next year, despite, like, the landscape of the NFL still feeling the same. So, pretty interesting stuff there. But you got anything else for me, Brick? No, nah, man, like I said at the top of the episode, we've been working on a lot of stuff that we're excited to show you guys. Check out our new series, the Unplugged videos, available on YouTube. We got two of them, another one coming out, a couple more planned. We got a couple of interviews coming up, a couple of vlogs coming up. Just the whole team grinding, and we love it. Shout out Aiden again. Make sure you follow him. Check out our Instagram at underscore the spectators for his socials. And stay up to date on all this insane, crazy, groundbreaking news. Yeah, there's a lot of it. And if you've been following our socials, you know we've been doing our best to keep up. And it is not easy, but we have been trying. And we hope you've been keeping up with us. And uh, enjoying all the posts and enjoying the ride that we've been on. Because this last month has been, been March Madness. Yeah. It really has. Cue to future. It's been, it's been amazing. So yeah. thank you guys again. Make sure you like and subscribe to this video if you're watching on YouTube. And if not, leave a thumbs up on whatever platform you're listening to. And we will see you guys next week with another episode. Peace.